Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul so it is well it is well with my soul with my soul it is well it is well with my soul My sin, know the bliss of this glorious thoughts. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, With my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my face shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well. With my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my This morning, we'll be moving again in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and uh, I'd like to read those 
now together, please. You, they'll be up on the screen. You would listen as I read. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the test, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Would you pray with me, please? Fathers, we come this morning to open your word together. We ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would cause us to be receptive to what you have for each of us. I know, Lord, that we all come with different experiences, different needs, uh, even at this very moment, different needs in our, in our walk with you. And I am confident, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, you can cause the message this morning to minister to all of us and meet us where we are. We ask, Lord, that you would strengthen us, strengthen our resolve to walk closer to you. And this morning, specifically, as we go through this, to open our eyes to uh, our personal worship in relationship with you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Going through uh, this section, uh, this passage, uh, we've already discussed the, the majority of it. Uh, Paul's beginning with the, the pleading uh, that, that people would uh, uh, listen to him. He says, I appeal to you, or I plead with you, I beseech you, Brothers, by the mercies of God, and the mercies of God he's talking about is everything that he's revealed up to this point. The grace of God that has been revealed to us through the first uh, chapters of the book of Romans. All that he has been talking about in the sense of the fall of man, man's need for a savior. Every man is sinner, and therefore we all need a savior, and that Jesus Christ is the answer. And once we receive that, once we rest in that, once that mercy and grace come in, comes into our lives, then we can rest with the promises of chapter 8. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so he's beseeching the, the, the reader, the, the listeners, to receive this in such a way uh, and, and that they, it will drive them to do something. In other words, he's not just beseeching them to hear it. He want them, he's wanting a response. He wants them to do something. And he says, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We have gone over this a few weeks ago, but the idea of a living sacrifice, living meaning our, our very being, not just the physical sense of what we do, but the, the, the emotional, the spiritual, the mental, and every context of who we are, and it's present. It's not surrender, it's present. And I like that picture there. It's, I, I bring it willingly. I present it to Jesus. So I'm presenting my life as a living sacrifice uh, before the Lord. And, and this is something that is holy and acceptable. How is it holy and acceptable? Because of Christ. There is nothing that I can present to God, nothing that I can bring to his altar in and of myself or anything of the earth that I would touch and contaminate for that matter, that, that would be holy and acceptable to him. But once I come in Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit in me, working with me, he promises to receive me. Hebrews chapter 4, the last verse, 16, says, 
that we can come before the throne of God with confidence. Some uh, interpret that as boldness, which is there in the word. But it's not boldness to say, hi, God, how you doing, pops? There are people that treat it that casually, and that's, that's, that's not what it's, it's disrespectful. It's not the honor of God. It's not holding him in honor and reverence. But it's to come before him to receive and to, to rest in that mercy and grace that he has purchased for us. If anything, that would cause us to approach his throne with extreme humility because I know in and of myself I have no value here, but only through Christ. But we can say and receive that grace and that mercy and rest in it. And so he says to take this, this ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is the area that I really didn't get much, I didn't say much about, this area of spiritual worship. Some of your uh, interpretations or, or, or uh, Bible, uh, uh, Bibles may read uh, spiritual service or reasonable service. Okay, so I want to look at these uh, two words, spiritual worship, and, and, and look at them carefully. The word that is expressed here, spiritual, uh, is literally the word, and again, you know I'm not a Greek scholar, but uh, in researching this out, it's the word uh, uh, logikos. And if you think about listening to the word logikos, logical, it does come from that word. Okay? And so there is a logical response in the spirit, if you will, because that's the way this word is tied, uh, to, to God for what we've heard. Okay, and, and, and it's, it's more than just a physical response because he's already established that. So this logical response is a spiritual, logically spiritual thing to do. And the area is it's logical, it's reasonable, it's rational to respond to God's grace and to receive it. This offering yourself is, is, is an act of service in the sense of worship here. This word worship is, is, is used in the idea of ministering to God in some particular way, serving God in some particular way, an act of serving him. How are we serving him? We're coming as we're allowed priesthood of believers, we're serving him and coming and offering all that we have ourselves bathed in the blood of Christ as a offering to him. The awesome thing is, as that happens, what does he do? He receives it. He doesn't reject it. He receives it. New American Standard Version says, this is your spiritual act of worship. And so I picked up on the idea of the act of worship, offering, offering our bodies a living sacrifice. And even as I wrote that there this, uh, in, in my notes, the idea of a living sacrifice, because Christ has conquered death. We come as a living sacrifice through Christ. Now, there are some instructions that have come along with this in the sense of, of how this should look. And 
he says that we are not to be conformed to the things of the world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I don't know. I do know, actually. Uh, I was going to say, I don't know about you, but I know before I became a Christian. <laughs> my goal was to conform to whatever was necessary that would allow me to be successful in whatever it was I wanted to be successful in. Does that make sense to you? In other words, uh, I wanted, if I wanted to pursue this area of life, this, this pursue the, the, uh, a particular business opportunity, whatever it was, I would do whatever is necessary to be whatever was necessary to allow that to come about. I would do whatever I had to do in the eyes of those who might hold the decision to make sure that I look like everything they needed. I was conforming to whatever standard was out there. It was interesting. When I went to work for Fuller O'Brien Corporation, uh, I got hired for a position over a man who had 40 years experience. He had been working there since he, his, his, uh, eight, since he was 18 years old. He was in the office that I was going into, and he instructed me on how to do the job. But I got hired because I had a college education. Okay. When I found out that college education plus adding to it raised your salary, you bet I started conforming. I, whatever was necessary to do, I became what they wanted to see in order to get the next job and, and the next opportunity. So I know that I can conform, but there's an interesting thing that happened. When I finally realized that the scriptures must be real. As I started to read the Gospels with the understanding, which was a challenge given to me, with the understanding that the authors of them were believing what they wrote. Another, and the, the challenge was, look and see the passion that John writes with and see if, he, if you can't see that he believes. I'm not telling you to believe. <laughs> Just see if you can see he believes. And after I looked at that, I thought, man, he is writing with that kind of passion someone convinced about something. So I read the rest of the Gospels to see if they did the same thing, and they did. And, and so it became my pursuit to understand and, 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 and to look at this. And it was interesting as, as I realized that this is, you know, I want to be the person that, that, that my wife needs. I want to be the person that my daughter needs as a dad. I want to be, and I tried to figure out how to conform to things that would make, I, it was a struggling thing to do. I couldn't be what they needed. It's amazing how it started to fall into place in my walk with Christ. I'm still learning it. I'm still an amateur at parenting, you know, and uh, uh, I'm still uh, getting to know my wife. Somebody might say after knowing somebody for 45 years, married to him for 43 You'd think that you had it down. The thing is awesome is, is that I'm of the understanding that my wife is created in the image of God. How long does it take to get to know God? Forever and ever, okay? So my wife with a finite beginning, you know, uh, she's not eternal in that context that God is, but she's, she's an eternal being. How long is it going to take me to get to know her? Well, it's going to at least forever. Maybe not ever and ever. I don't know, but it's going to... 
I'm still learning. And, you know, so it's, it's one of those things. But this idea of conforming, all the things that I started to see as a Christian, I quite candidly, I started putting it on. I started putting on the walk. When the scriptures that were read in Colossians there about what you're, how you're supposed to act and stuff, I, see, this is the way my mind was trained. I, this is what I want. This is how I want to be received as this person. I started to walk the, and, and talk Christianese. My first crisis, a couple of years into my walk, my Christian world fell apart. And quite candidly, I came at the point and said, well, if that's all there is to this, maybe I don't need the church. I can just seek God. I wasn't abandoning scripture, but I thought, I'll just look for God in, the, you know, in my my hiking, and the, you know, my walks was in, in my quiet time. Very fortunately, a friend came alongside and got me through that time. And what I realized was I had never really surrendered to God. I'd never really offered myself as a living sacrifice. I'd never really asked the Holy Spirit to transform my mind to renew my mind. What I had done was I saw the lists of what makes a Christian in this particular church, and it was a church, no, no dancing, no, no uh, uh, movie houses, no smoking, no drinking, no card playing. Uh, <laughs> okay, let me, now, okay. And uh, I got, the way I found out that there was no card playing, by the way, there was no written, these were not not in their bylaws or, or constitution or anything. How I found out about it was one of the uh, leaders in the church uh, who was a supplier of, of materials that I used in my shop. I was in there buying the materials. He, got, he says, oh, this, uh, the, this uh, salesman left me a deck of cards with the such and such company. Would you like them? I said, sure, put them in my pocket, started to walk out. And he, he stood up and says, you don't play cards, do you? And then he proceeded to lecture me why we shouldn't play cards. I won't go into that. Um, but I, I never played cards around church. Uh, but I, that was one I, you know, I loved playing uh, uh, gin rummy with my wife and, and cribbage and stuff. So that, that one never quite clicked other than when I was around the other people. Um, this idea of conforming versus being transformed is, is the issue here of, in the sense of our worship. If we just conform, if we, just, if we go through the actions and we try it on and we put it on, but it's not really from the inside out, it's not something that is acceptable to God. That, that's not what God's looking for. What he's looking for is, is something that comes from the depth of the heart that is in a real process of being made new, made different transformed, metamorphous, transformed. Not the same as it was. You know, the world has a number of things around any culture that they would say, this is who you are if you're part of our culture. There's a standards, there's teachings, there's values, there's principles that, that people hold in any given community. And, and uh, 
I'm saying, suggesting this in general of our culture, not in the church, in the body of Christ. And so John gave us a standard to figure out what it is that we are to receive and what it is we are to step away from as we look for things to, to influence us. He says the simple solution to, to figuring it out, does it confess Jesus Christ come in the flesh? If it does not, he says it simply belongs to the world. Now, he didn't quite quit there, and I, I, I reluctantly add this phrase only because people get perturbed about it sometime. He said, and if it's of the world, it's of the Antichrist, meaning the spirit of the Antichrist is already in it, things that lead away from God. Anything that leads away from God has the spirit of the Antichrist. So if it doesn't confess Christ, it's out there, away from, it's of the world and, and, and away from God, leading away from God. If it confessed Christ, and when he meant that, he meant the whole gospel of John, because, it, you know, in a sense, you know, if it confesses that, now you can look at it and pursue it and, 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 and uh, accept it and receive it, this type of thing. So he gave us a standard which was extremely strict. Don't be conformed to anything that doesn't confess Jesus Christ. Instead, the things that confess Jesus Christ, his word, the key Thing, allow this to transform who you are. Change the way you think. To change your very core values. And what happens is that our, trans, our, our values begin to change. Because our hearts, our minds are beginning to change. And this because of the Holy Spirit's work in us. Not mine, not yours, but the Holy Spirit's work in us. Our focus becomes uh, a word that, that, that uh, I haven't used uh, much. It's called theocentric. Uh, it means God-centered. And I prefer God-centered because I understand that one easier. Uh, our focus becomes God-centered rather than, I was going to say man-centered, but it really isn't even that, is it? Rather than me-centered. In our culture, me is very important. You realize how fiercely we fight for that? Our culture has taught us and ingrained in us how important our independence is. And I don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not knocking the idea of the, you know, any constitutional context of this. What I'm saying, though, is in, in our drive to be what our Constitution gives us the freedom to be, we've, we, we take it to the point where it is me first, my pursuit of happiness, disregarding anybody else's pursuit of happiness. Well, what we read in, in, in the scriptures today, that, can't co that doesn't coincide with being a changed or transformed mind in Christ. Our focus becomes God-centered. What happens is that what I hunger and thirst after begins to change. And the thought that came to me was out of Psalm 42. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul literally panteth, or long, we will use the word longeth, but you know, panteth over you know, or for thee. In other words, just as much as the deer it needs a drink of water 
I to survive. What will, by the way, there, there's a complete science lesson there. Will that deer survive if it never gets a drink of water? No, it will die. It, it will, okay. So make sure you've got that because the, 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 the opposite is true. It needs the drink of water to survive. There, and and the, the comparison, therefore, is for me to survive, I need the Lord. I need to drink of the Lord. And the Beatitudes, it even says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Okay? That means to seek out Christ because, it, it just again, if you're just looking at righteousness and you try to conform to that and that alone without Christ in you, without the Holy Spirit in you, it's not going to happen. You need the salvation of Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But it does cause you to start to hunger and thirst. People that would never have given the, the time of day to read the scriptures become daily readers of scripture. People who would never have thought about prayer other than maybe at some desperate moment like what we call foxhole salvation in the, you know, from a military standpoint where you're pinned down in every direction and you say, Lord, you get me out of this. You know, but, but, but you know, prayer becomes a regular part of your life. The way you look at your family changes. You actually begin to, to, to look at your friends uh, and, and, and things, you know, some of the things that you are concerned about. Somebody shared with me uh, just the other day that a song that reminded of someone and it brought tears to their eyes because it made them think of someone else that, that needs the Lord. You become compassionate towards taking the word of God to someone else. By the way, all of this is, that, is tied to this concept of offering yourself as a living sacrifice. It's, all of it is tied to an act of worship. It's an overall picture, an act of worship, basically. Surrender to God to be used for his purposes. I was looking at this quite personally over the last couple of weeks. Need to see, you know, this is the way I'm writing to myself. Need to see what prompts me to act. Is it me prompting me or circumstances prompting me? Or am I actually seeing the Holy Spirit prompting me to act? Because if it's the Holy Spirit prompting me, that's when it becomes God-centered. Some people might say you can't. How do you tell the difference? Sometimes it, you, it's almost, you, sometimes you really can't. It takes taking a step. But I'm confident that if we are seeking God, he says, if you seek me, you will say it. If you seek me, okay. If you ask, it'll, it'll, it'll be given. If you, if you knock, it'll be opened, okay. That's in reference to the things of his purpose, his kingdom, okay. If I am seeking sincerely, allowing the God to put in my heart the desire to see his work, to seek his kingdom, as I take steps, I will find barriers that will cause me to at least say, I wonder, and take a step back and look and wrestle with a situation to see if it's really something that God would let me or want me to do. 
I was told one point, if, 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 if there's a, a doubt in your mind, that's always a good point to step backwards and not pursue it. Uh, give it a chance to, to see where it's going. Uh, but, but the idea is, is that, you know, who's leading me? What's leading me? the desire to worship God leading me? And if so, by the power of the Holy Spirit in me. Interesting thing that I, I, I ended up thinking about was communion. Baptism, both, but the two sacraments, if you will, that the Protestant church practices, things that Christ has told us to do specifically. One is to share in communion and remembrance of him, and the other to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in order to show our relationship with him and, 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 and our identity with him. So I looked at communion, and I was thinking the difference between Communion, by the way, I'd taken communion to church before, before I was a Christian. I remember going to my grandmother, the church that, that she visited one time that <laughs> was near the house. Happened to visit them on Communion Sunday. And uh, the reason why she didn't go back was because Communion Sunday was literally only once a year. There is a day called Communion Sunday annually, and that's when this church practiced communion. Um, and But I remember it being passed, and and I, and, I, and I took it, and, and, and my grandmother kind of looked at me, but she didn't say anything. And, and I actually followed the instructions and, and took the, com the communion. And uh, didn't know what I, what, anything about it. Didn't know really what was being explained. But when I took communion the first time as a believer, I have to say at this point now, transformed mind is in progress. God had opened my eyes to sin. That's a transformed mind. He showed me I needed a savior, that I couldn't fix it myself. There was no way I could conform. I needed him. Couldn't do it myself. Through the word of God, the Holy Spirit working in me and on me at this point, the Savior is revealed. And I come to know him as Jesus Christ, Son of God, God in the flesh. And then working again, transforming the way I think, I need this Savior. gave me even the desire to seek him and there was the day of prayer where I said I receive and God's grace and salvation became a reality to me I thought about that the first day of communion that I shared it, because they were talking and I, I candidly I got lost in the, with the, 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 the person presenting communion because he I remember this day the, the man to this day he prayed and spoke when he was doing these kinds of things what I call high Christianese and uh, these and thou's and those and, and, and stuff, and, and, and I, I got lost in it. 
but I was just thinking of all that God had done for me. And I realized that I knew, I mean, in, in dwelling on it and thinking on it, I knew that I knew that salvation was mine. That comes from a transformed mind, folks. That doesn't come from somebody trying to conform. That come, uh, you know how many Christians you can ask and say, do you know today you died, you're going to heaven? They'll say, I hope so. There's something still lacking in the transformation process. There's, there, there needs, if that is not a confidence for you, then, then, then you need to, to, to ask the Holy Spirit to, to open your mind to be sure, to know that you know that you know. And, and, and I remember asking my mom, because quite candidly, we didn't live a, a Christian lifestyle. Although it was interesting, after, uh, just before my stepdad uh, passed away, uh, they had started going back to church. And, uh, and it wasn't the, the church that they occasionally went to while I was uh, living with them. And uh, when my uncle passed away, her brother, I knew pretty confidently that my uncle probably did not know the Lord because we talked about it just a few days before he died. And uh, after doing a very hard service, I asked my mom point blank. I said, Mom, if God were to say, Louise, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And she said, oh, because Jesus Christ is my Savior. I received him. I know him, and I know his great grace and salvation. We should know this. Does it mean we will never struggle? Does it mean there won't be seasons in our lives where things fall apart? Well, what I'm talking about is this confidence to know that God will restore you. Some of the greatest Bible heroes are, 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 did the biggest falling apart, <laughs> and then we see how God restored you. So this morning I want to share communion in this, in this light. The Holy Spirit invites us to the table. As believers, as those who have confessed Christ as Savior, as we rest in his grace, as the transformed minds are working away and, 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 and growing in, in Christ, the thing that we know is that we can approach this table with the confidence of our salvation. We can approach the table uh, with a confidence that, that, that Christ's grace is full in us, complete. He has done what he said, and we can rest in that, and we are resting in that. And we approach the table with that confidence. The Holy Spirit invites us. He invites us to confess our sins afresh. Not sins of the past that are already forgiven, but sins in the sense of, of anything that, that's outside of, of, of hitting the mark dead on today. Today, not, you know, not years ago, the things that, you know, God, unless something happens in the middle of prayer, and I don't know if this has happened to you, where God brings something to mind, and you realize, I have never asked his forgiveness for that. And even though I know there's the general pardon with over all of the things, this has come to mind, I believe I need to bring this specifically before the throne of God. And if there's restitution in some way, i.e. going to see someone that I need to take care of and, 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 and ask forgiveness or something like that, and that's happened to me myriads of times, 
uh, it, and it's the most amazing experience when you see Christ work it out and God working it out. But anyway, the, the idea of, of coming in with the attitude of, of a broken heart over our sin and the desire for God to, to bring strength and healing to us. He causes me to, to seek him. He causes me to receive forgiveness from God and to rest in the confidence that it's been given. I don't only come with the confidence that I can ask for it, but I can walk away with the confidence that it has happened. I write these things to you little children that you may not sin, but if you do sin, 1 John chapter 2 says, you have an advocate, Christ Jesus the Lord. He has forgiven us. He tells us just before that, in John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, if you will confess your sins, sincerely as is, is implied, if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive you of your sins and restores you into all righteousness. We can come with that confidence as we approach the table. Again, I just I put it in this kind of a nutshell. He causes me to know, to know, and the word know here in the fullest way, not just some mental thing, but to know deep inside. He causes me to know his grace, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his restoration. And with that in mind, as I come to the communion and communion becomes a part of my worship and, 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 and a part of the, the, the morning as I, as I seek the face of God, he also brings to mind something that, that should be there frequently, and that is this is such an awesome thing and realize that as we leave this place, he sends us out to share all the mercy and grace we've just received and experienced and enjoyed and rested in with someone else. I'd ask the ushers to come and uh, serve the communion uh, and, and hold it until we've all been served and we'll, we'll share it together.
this is kind of an abstract thought in some ways, but I think you'll catch it as going through that song, the idea of coming to him and at his feet. And uh, you know, I, I come to the feet of Christ because he first came to mind. Does that make sense to you? Think of him washing the feet of the disciples. That's a picture of us resting in him and well, all of that picture is, is everything he said that night was for them and for the church. You know? And I don't know if you've ever been to a Christian foot washing service, but it's quite a moving experience to, to do that and to realize that's what Christ did for them. In reality, he did so much more than that when you put the cross into perspective. But that became the picture for me this morning was the fact that as I come to him at his feet, it's only because he has already washed mine. And as he, Peter said, not, you know, oh, well, then if, 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 you know, Peter said, basically, okay, well, you know, only my feet. You know, Christ, you know, then if that's the way it is, Peter says, then wash all of me. 
He has. There's not a part of me that's not covered in his grace. Isn't that amazing to think about? There's not a part that's not covered in his grace. So I can rest with confidence this morning. There is no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus. For all of us this morning who rest in Christ, there is no condemnation. We are cleansed. We are delivered from our sins and the judgment that should be ours, he took upon himself. He made sure for leaving this picture of communion with his disciples, wanting to make sure that we would understand that it required that the God of all creation would come literally and dwell amongst them in the flesh. So he took bread, which was a symbolic picture of the flesh, uh, and, and he said, this is my body. It's been broken for you. As often as you eat this, do it in remembrance of me, were his words. Taking a cup of wine from the table, he says, this is my blood poured out for you. The blood that purchases a covenant. The grace that we've been talking so much about this morning. That as often as you drink this, I want you to do it in, my, in remembering me, he said, until I come again, which ties to it the hope and the promise that we have. Not only has he come to save us, but he is coming again to deliver us permanently to live with him eternally. New heaven, new earth. Let's share the cup. Father, again, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we could come to you this morning, hear your word instruct us, and, and, and then actually come to a point in the service where we could put it into practice. And as we have worshipped you in, in, in various ways this morning, we worship you now in this sharing of communion because we know that we know this is picture you gave us of your saving us and because of what you have done indeed we can rest with absolute confidence your grace and mercy has been poured out it has covered us and as we rest in it we know that when you come again we will not have to look for a rock or a place to hide or a place to hide under but we will be able to rejoice with excitement and joy, knowing that we are the children of God. And even as you have put it in your own words, brothers and sisters, joint heirs. Thank you, Lord. Cause us to be willing to share the love you have poured into us with other people today in such a way that you are glorified. And again, Lord, we do indeed worship you, King of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus' name.